0: All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So today we have quite a founder. Let me tell you, quite the founder. You know, he's built his company from the ground up. You know, he started the company with just $3,000. And now they're north of $400 million in revenue without taking, by the way, venture capital money or anything, you know, really to run the business. I mean, obviously, they have PEs now, but private equity firms, but that's a different story. So in our session today, you know, in this incredible conversation that we have ahead of us, We're going to be talking about how to think about culture, how also to think about culture when you're thinking about bringing external money, how you're thinking about the needs of the clients and really understanding them, as well as mentoring people. So again, really incredible and inspiring conversation in front of us. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Dave Dickerson. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: So originally born in California, you know, and raised in the suburbs of L.A. So give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up?
1: Uh, I was actually raised by a single mom and my grandmother, uh, actually in a Hispanic uh, household. You you wouldn't know that to look at me, but um, actually my mom was from Yucatan. Uh, So grew up uh, very working class family.
0: And I guess, say, uh, what did you get, you know, from from the hard work and the, uh, you know, uh, being in the U.S., the American dream? I mean, all of that stuff. What did you get from that, too?
1: Yeah. I mean, my my, my mom and my grandmother who came over uh, to be with her very much believed in the American dream and what was possible by working hard.
0: So then, you know, like you ended up going to school, you know, you ended up going, you know, to to school very much uh, so in Orange County. And then you decided to stay. But one of the things that is very interesting is that rather than going at it, you know, in the corporate world, you thought that it would be interesting to get, you know, into manufacturing, you know, stuff around saunas and and steam rooms. And how was that experience yeah. like? You know, that was your first rodeo.
1: Yeah, wasn't it, it, it was one of those things where uh, if you would have asked me a year before I got into it, is this something I would be doing? I probably wouldn't have ever imagined it. I actually, uh, while I was in college, I, um, what happened, I was working for an exercise, uh, company, fitness company, and they had an ancillary business that the founder had, uh, at Bill Saunas. And so when I left that business, I actually had people I had sold Saunas to who did not want to work with that founder anymore. And where had found me and had asked me, can you start building these rooms for me? And with literally, uh, no experience. I found someone who uh, who had experience in the construction and went out bid it, got the job. And that particular day when I went out and sold that room, I ended up selling three more because there was a lot of construction going on. And so it kind of just evolved from that standpoint.
0: So eventually, as they say, you know, you either succeed or you learn. You know, you eventually had to. Uh, you guys had to shut down the company. But what was the lessons you know that you took from that experience?
1: Um, that that one was actually. Uh, a lot of learning as far as the understanding the what i needed as far as inventory control uh, you know how how we market you know selling it, it was it was a, it was actually a good experience i mean ultimately it you know we had to shut it down because of the recession in the early 90s but it, it was actually a very good experience for us i mean it taught me a lot of different attributes of the business so i it's one of those things where i kind of know enough of everything, but I'm not particularly an expert in anything.
0: And I, and I believe so that, uh, you know, giving you that visibility into other stuff too, you know, uh, what came next, you know, which was also consulting. I mean, you did consulting, you know, with pharma companies and, and other, other segments, you know, that perhaps, you know, gave you more visibility. I guess, you know, when you do consulting too, it gives you an understanding on how to be able to as well break, you know, Big problems into smaller problems and really Correct. and how to tackle them so what what would you say that you got from 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 that journey to being a consultant
1: so so I, I basically from a sales standpoint, I learned how to develop uh, territories I understood the, um, really listening to clients what their needs were, and so I was able to translate that into different industries again I was into a a pharmaceutical Small pharmaceutical here in Orange County that was looking to build an inside sales program. I was hired on, uh, built that whole program for them, um, left after about a year. And then I ended up uh, with another company that was a data public records aggregator that was doing the same thing. They were trying to build an inside sales program.
0: And obviously, this was a pivotal for you because uh, it was ultimately what ended up leading you to accurate background. So Correct. what were the sequences of events, you know, until you were like, okay, I think it's time to build something here.
1: Right. So when I was working with them, one of the products that we were selling uh, was the skip tracing tool. And the primary buyers were banks and private investigators. And I was working with a private in- investigator group and they were, to- weren't buying a lot of this product because they weren't locating people in, in masses they you know they would do maybe four or five a month and this was a product that was like five dollars and, th- and the company was struggling to find other products to sell them so i started asking um the clients i was working with what products do you use a lot of and they would always come back that they were looking for criminal records at the county level and they were looking for a good source and they would run you know a hundred of these a month and they were they were experiencing wait times of about three weeks They didn't think the data was that good, so I started investigating it, and I realized the company I was where where it was had that product, but it was you would quote three weeks, and it was a very expensive product. So I started uh, learning the reason it was taking so long was very manual process, and it would actually when you ordered something, it would actually go through a number of people before you actually ever get it back. So it was is constantly being transferred. So the more touches that you had, the more chances you're going to have. For errors in the delay of time. So I started looking at this and said, you know, we could actually streamline this process, bring the cost down, be the very profitable product and offer it to the clients. And I presented it to management. They were not interested. You know, they thought it was just a very manual process. So having been on my own, I saw the opportunity here and so I left. So
0: then you leave and then what happened
1: next? So that's actually an interesting story. So I, I, you know, the story of this is I started on a Thursday. I had about 20 searches, and I was just doing it on Excel, you know, and, you know, Microsoft Word, building my reports, ordering this this stuff, and finding researchers who would do this for me. And my wife was a programmer at the time, and so she said, you know, you really need to automate this, and, you know, I could build you a simple database. Now, I'm I'm not a technologist, and my first thing was, oh, you mean like Oracle? And she kind of like, you know, this is not something you need in Oracle. She says, I could build you something at, at the time in Access, Microsoft Access. So so what she did, it was she literally got VHS tapes because this was in the 90s, watched beginning, intermediate, and advanced Access on Saturday morning. She said, let's go to lunch. She asked me what I needed from the clients, what I needed to send to the researchers, and what I needed back and what I how to build a report. And then she programmed all Saturday uh, evening, all Sunday. We launched it Monday morning. And that was the basis of how we started. And we just kept adding to that.
0: So for the people that are listening to really get it, what ended up being the business model of accurate background?
1: So we started, we were wholesaling. So we were selling to other companies that needed the information and then they would turn around and resell it. Okay. Uh, So we started doing that. And then for the first, you know, six months, that's all I did was just wholesale. And then we were approached by a large uh, retailer in the West Coast who had gotten my name. And they said, you know, we're experiencing about three week turnaround and we don't think the data is that good. Is this something you can provide and how fast? And I told them, you know, most of their information would come back in 48 hours. They didn't believe me. You wanted to run a test and we did it. And most, actually, most of the information came back within 24 hours and it was actually better than they were getting. So they, they signed on. And from that standpoint, over the next five years, I kind of transitioned away from the, the, the wholesale side of it. And then just started working with end users. And then as I get would get end user clients, I would talk to them, ask them what other products they needed, work uh, solutions I could sell them. And we started developing uh educational verification, employment verification products, um, you know, find a partner for driving records, and then we would uh aggregate all this into a report and return it to them.
0: So how how do you guys make money today?
1: So it's it's very transactional in the sense where as a client is onboarding a new candidate, the background check process, when they, when they order the background check after a, an offer has been made, that goes to us. And it comes to us in, in, in numerous ways. Either, either directly through our system, right? Where they can log on. But about 80% come through an integration with an applicant tracking system. So like through Oracle or SAP, which they're using as their applicant tracking system, all that information is parsed over to us we'll run the report and then the report goes back to the client.
0: So as you're looking back now in time, you know, because you've been at it now for quite a bit, you know, almost 27 years, 27 years eh, with the company, which is incredible. As you're looking back, what was that moment where you experienced that you guys were turning a corner here and that you were into something?
1: Well, I, I knew, I knew actually, I knew from the first month that I was on something. Okay. So because there was a, definitely a need cause they, you know, getting clients, um, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it was just something that that the clients that I was getting uh, they, they were ordering pretty regularly right and so it was one of those situations where we just kept developing and going after uh, you know the developing the network making it better streamlining that network making improvements like if we go back to the 90s it was very manual at the time now it's extremely automated you know, we're, we're integrated with core systems. Uh, it's very, very little um, human touch to the product now. Hey, guys. So pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell
0: you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Severson, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a Series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid-cap type of um, cycle. So, Again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at PanteraAdvisors.com, and we would love to take a look at helping you out. And how has it been through the journey of... Of really scaling the business, because I mean it's really remarkable how you got started with just three thousand dollars you didn't raise any money for the operations and and I'm just guessing you know like why why was that the case, and then how did you go about scaling too
1: um so, so at the time it, the business at you know if you look back in the in the nineties the the background screen business wasn't necessarily a sexy business that you know venture capital or they were they were looking at it they, it wasn't as big as it is now, you know it was probably you know less than half you know half a billion dollars uh industry so now it's close to five billion and if you take all the ancillary industries it's probably closer to ten billion so it's it's really grown over the time, and the automation has actually helped that so at the time i you know if you would have asked me I just didn't know enough to to go out and and seek uh to raise money. You know, it was one of those things. I just felt like, you know, as long as I keep grinding every day, and I, I just kept reinvesting everything I had back into the business. So what,
0: what, what was then that uh, process too of um, as you're reinvesting, or you as you're building the business? You know, I'm sure that too the the business went into different cycles. no? you know, every eighteen to twenty four months, you know, a business would change. You know, with the milestones, the goals. So I guess, how did you also develop yourself to really understand what you needed to give to the company to be able to continue to shift from one cycle to the next?
1: So as as we were growing, so we were basically doubling our revenue every two years. Okay, so as we were growing, um, you know, I would seek out uh, the people that would actually help me get to the next level, right? So when I was about $2 million, there was a uh, a person from the industry from an operational standpoint, it, that had a lot of uh, just knowledge of the industry. I brought her on, and she she was with me for about eight years as we grew. And then you know, and then you bring on the, the the right salesperson. Even though I could sell, you know, I knew I couldn't do everything. So we brought in you know a, a really good enterprise salesperson. Then we brought someone uh, later on above that was that would lead the sales engagements.
0: And yeah. and 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 in this case as well, I mean, you guys have scaled the operation to two thousand eight hundred people. I mean, that's a lot of people too. So, how did you go about making sure that the uh, you know the culture, you know, the pillars were there, and that people were able to row, you know, at the same time, you know, towards the same mission?
1: So, a, a lot of that is is culture building, right? So, as as we we're hiring, you, you kind of know the people that you're bringing on. Are they a good fit, right? So, it's I always kind of Look at it. Is this a, is this someone I want to have a long conversations with that have nothing to do with work, right? Just someone I get along with that I know on a day in day out that we can be honest with with each other, right? And grow. Um, do they have other experiences that they're bringing um, from other positions that are going to actually help that it will translate to what we're doing? So you know, again, it's a lot of the people that uh, um, you know they were the right person at the right time. And then they moved on to other successes. They've done, you know, other things that, and, you know, I, I never uh, take it personal that someone wants to leave the company, right? And, you know, I, I, I wish them well, because I know they were the right person at the right time at that for us. And they move on. We've had people who've left and actually come back. They get other experiences and they come back. Uh, we have, you know, there's uh, probably more than a handful of people that actually have been able to scale with us uh the, the those to me are the phenomenal stories of our business that you know they started out in a very kind of entry level position and have just grown they they just had that that thing about them that are able to grow and they they're like a sponge they want to learn and they just grow and they're they're just doing great with us so what have you learned about
0: people then you know you have so many employees you know the way that you guys have scaled is people going people coming back you know new people coming in what have you learned about people um, I
1: think generally people want to do a good job. I mean, it, you know, the people are they're with Accurate, I think is a really unique story where like in our industry, uh, we have lots of people who've come from our competitors. We have very few people that ever leave us for our competitors. And, you know, they come in and you know, last night we had our our regional sales kickoff. Um, and uh, you know, we had 160 people. Uh, here in Huntington Beach, and it's just—it's a phenomenal feeling to be around these people. I mean, they're very excited about the product. They're very uh, customer centric, right? They want to make sure the customers are getting the, what they they need and the solutions to their problems. Um, I think for us having these uh, these type of people is, is what makes Accurate really special. How do you typically go
0: about? You know, to that point, just to double click on that, how do you how do you go about understanding the real needs of customers?
1: Again, so a lot of it's communication, right? So you, so, so customers a lot of times uh, will come to us and say, these are the needs. This is what we're currently doing. And they think that's the way to do it. And then you start asking them, well, then what's your pain points? And then they'll start explaining to them. And then you kind of basically dissect what they're doing and say, well, this is what's causing the pain point. So let me, let me change things for you to make it uh, a better experience for not only the customer, but for their candidates. Because their candidates are the ones who are, who are providing us the data. And so we want to make sure that they, it's a stressful time for them. They're trying to get a job. They're trying to get hired. We want to make sure it, it, the candidate has a really good experience as well. So you guys
0: were growing very nicely. I mean, you are now at north of $400 million in yearly revenue, which is incredible. Uh, and you decided, you know, and I guess, you know, given the timings and the space, you know, as you were uh, alluding to, her, to it earlier, you know, and not taking like VC money or any of that stuff, eventually you open up the door to private equity firms. Uh, and I know that culture for you is a big thing. So, how did you go about, you know, like uh, really making sure that you were bringing the right investors for the right reasons when it came to the actual uh, moment of raising money from those P firms?
1: So, uh, so the first time uh, what happened was uh, when I started, you know, we would we would get private, private equity inquiries throughout and a lot of them just weren't a good fit uh some you know I started learning about the terms you know the preferred participate, preferred the accrued interest all these things you started really understanding it and it just wasn't something that for me at the time I didn't really need it um and so it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to a path I wanted to go down so in 2013 as we were growing what I did do is, is I did take uh some um some debt and put it on the books just so I can have some uh, operating capital, and then what happened is, as we were growing, that 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 private equity firm actually wanted to have some ownership, and so I sold them actually uh, a small uh, piece of Accurate. So we from that standpoint we grew, but they were and they were good partners. I'm actually I I have uh, you know again I get I get along very well with them. There's very open communication. Um, and so they're, they're still involved in Accurate. You know, 10 years later, they, they still have their same piece. They they stayed on. They've been very happy with the investment.
0: So Dave, obviously, you know, as part of uh, bringing on board investors, you know, all the employees that you have, really vision is a really big one. no? And, uh, and it comes down really to being able to enroll people into the future, into what's possible. So I guess to that point, the question that I'd like to ask you is, Imagine if you were to go to sleep tonight, and you wake up in a world where the vision of accurate background is fully realized.
1: What does that world look like? Again, so, so our space, I, 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 you know, I think we're going to continue to grow. I, you know, as far our space is very fragmented, right? So you have some very large players. We're actually the largest privately held in the world. There's three publics ahead of us i there's gonna be and there's literally hundreds of uh smaller uh, mom and pop shops Our space basically going to continue to consolidate um I think that we will continue to be a consolidator in the space we've we've acquired four companies over this over this time uh there's definitely advantages of scale in this business just from getting the data and the the operation standpoint. I think the industry itself is evolving. Um, I think eventually what's gonna end up happening is the the individual is gonna really own more of their own data versus actually having to go to uh relying on uh outside sources like the courts and stuff. The the you'll 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 the the individual will retain their data and will work more closely with the individual to make sure you, to help tell their story. So that's really what I what I where I see it. We we're very similar to the our industry is very similar to the credit bureaus. So if you go back, you know, probably the early 1900s, the credit bureaus, everything was very fragmented. Now there's really three players. And that's kind of where I see this industry going.
0: And I guess, you know, as as we're talking about the future here, I want to talk about the past. But I want to talk about the past with a lens of reflection. Imagine if I was to put you into a time machine. And I bring you back in time to 97, where you got started with the company. Let's say I give you the opportunity of having a chat with that younger Dave that is looking at bringing something to life that is new, that is a solution, you know, to a problem that you encounter back then. And let's say you have the opportunity of giving that younger Dave one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now?
1: obviously, hindsight, there's an advantage of hindsight. I, I would say, you know, continue doing what you were always good at doing, right? Just keep grinding um, you know, follow you in, your instincts. Uh, you know, don't always go the down the path of what you others tell you, right? So understand uh the products with the solutions, listen to clients, uh, you know, bring the right people around you. Continue, you know, continue to bring the right people around you. Uh so again, I've obviously it's worked out for me. So I've been very happy. I mean, it's one of those things where you know, if I look back on it, uh, you know, people will say, like, you know, why didn't you raise money and all these, and uh, you know, bring in venture capital, do all these other things, and and a lot of it had to do with, um, I don't want to say ignorance, but as a lack of knowledge of the space, which actually worked into my my benefit. I think I, I think if I would have done it early on, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today, and the company wouldn't be worth that. It would have been a much different story. That's amazing, Dave. So for the people that are listening that would love
0: to reach out and say, hi, what is the best way for them to do so?
1: I'm pretty easy to, you know, LinkedIn. Um, I, I tend to be very responsive. I love helping uh, people starting out. Uh, I get questions all the time. Uh, any, anywhere I can help them, you know, on on my journey as to what I've done. And and, and I'm happy to give some advice uh, of where, what we've done and how I can help them, right? So, you know, today I, I do a lot of... Uh, you know, early stage investing. I have some other investments that uh, that I'm involved in. So I'm, now I've taken my experiences and able to help uh, these other companies grow their their uh, their company.
0: Amazing. Well, hey, Dave. Well, thank you so much for being on the Deal Maker Show today with us. It has been an honor to have you. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. It's been fun. If you like the
0: show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value